everybody. I'm Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Tighten Up the Defense, a podcast that would really benefit from a tagline. I hope everything's going well with you this fine, crisp, cold December morning, which is, you know, the kind of thing I say when I don't know what I'm going to talk about in this intro, which seems to be the case nine out of ten times. I could probably dispense with it and just get on with the comic book. I'm sure you're just yelling at your screens that that is in fact exactly what I should do. And I I understand your frustration with me and your sentiment. I was reminded recently of the fact that uh, in my younger days, at, at one point, apparently, I had had too much to drink at a puppet show. As I say that aloud, that doesn't sound particularly good. I, I would like to point out it was not a children's puppet show, as near as I remember. As I said, I was drunk at a puppet show. There's no way I'm coming out of this story looking good. So let me add more fuel to that fire. I was of the opinion that the gentleman operating said puppet show was spending too much time on the setup, and I wasn't there to hear him talk about puppets. I was there to see him puppet about puppets. So I yelled out at the stage, less chat, more puppet. It's not the sort of thing that I should be proud of, and yet... In a weird way, I kind of am. I don't care for hecklers, but goddammit, less chat, more papat. That's just good shit. Alright, that's probably enough of me yammering. (laughs) Let's get on with the show. As a wise man once said, less chat, more papat. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Michael Laughlin. A long-eared rabbit can give you a lop kiss, but it might bite your face, unlike the synopsis. Thanks, Michael. Although, I don't promise that this synopsis won't bite your face. That's determined on a listener-by-listener basis. Defenders, number two. October, 1972. The Secret of the Silver Surfer. Written by Steve Englehart, drawn by Sal Buscema, with inks by John Verporten. Defenders Roll Call. Doctor Strange. Namor the Submariner. The Incredible Hulk. And The Silver Surfer. Previously in The Defenders. It was a quiet night in New Jersey until Namor tumbled from the sky and landed unconscious and ensorcelled in front of the Hulk. Turned out he was being kept comatose by the magic of Necrodamus, an ugly little creep whose powers were on loan from extra-dimensional uber-douches, the Undying Ones. Hulk sought the aid of his hated frenemy Doctor Strange and together they fought Necrodamus, who briefly turned from an ugly little asshole into an ugly giant asshole. Strange and Hulk managed to free their amphibious buddy and together the trio defeated their temporarily oversized opponent who disappeared in a puff of smoke while swearing vengeance. Strange wanted to go looking for the once again pint-sized Necrodamus, but Namor told him they had shinier fish to fry. Seems the foe who tossed the Atlantean prince from the heavens to New Jersey was not Necrodamus after all. It was... The Silver Surfer! Gadzooks! Why would the Chrome Crusader attack his former friend? Will Namor seek vengeance? And have we seen the last of Necrodamus? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, in answer to those questions, a combination of magic, brainwashing, and well-intentioned colonialism, I guess? Of course he will. That is almost literally all he ever does. And, bizarrely, yes. I mean, he shows up a couple of years later in an issue of The Avengers, but then he's gone for another ten years or so. Alright, if you're done mashing the back 15 second button on your podcast to determine which question went with which answer, then we'll proceed. For the past two months, Namor and Doctor Strange have been searching for the Silver Surfer. Steve's probably been using the magic internet or something, but it looks like Namor's search plan is swimming around the world and yelling. Which, come to think of it, is kind of his life plan as well. Swimming around the world and yelling. The Submariner story. The Aquatic Avenger is swimming and yelling in Antarctica when Astral Steve checks in. Namor says he's pretty sure the surfer must have left the planet because he is nowhere to be found. Wait, did he start at one pole and swim yell all the way to the other in two months? Wow. Yeah, I guess he must have left the planet. Or else is, I don't know, on land? Turns out, on land. Because, all of a sudden, a boisterous silver surfer zooms from the sky, picks Namor up by the armpits, and smashes through a bunch of icebergs. Wait, boisterous silver surfer? That doesn't sound like the Noran rat I know and love. Dude is usually depressed and broody enough to be the love interest in a Bronte novel. What gives? Well, what gives is the fact that after being stuck on Earth for six years, the surfer finally found a group of people that don't totally suck. Hooray! He's super stoked, and figured his good pal and fellow misanthrope Namor would be happy for him. Yeah, not so much. Namor starts punching the shit out of his former buddy. Surfer can't figure out why Namor is so pissed. Really? 
Namor explains, between punches, that the last time they saw each other, the surfer threw him to New Jersey. The Silver Surfer insists that he did no such thing and is hurt and confused. Okay, time out, Norrin. Even if we take you at your word on that, which Namor has no intention of doing, you just grabbed the dude from behind and smashed him through four icebergs. Because you were happy. Also, he's the fucking Submariner. That alone is usually reason enough for him to be angry. Do you seriously think you were getting out of this unpunched? Apparently he did, because Namor's attempt at wrathful vengeance really hurts the surfer's feelings, and after a brief but epic tussle, he flies off, saying that he's going back to his secret valley to live in peace with his new buddies for the rest of his life. The Prince of Atlantis is understandably frustrated, but Astral Steve tells his buddy not to worry and to come back to his place. It seems that when the surfer said, Secret Valley, it reminded the sorcerer of something. The fact that he's out of ranch dressing? Probably. I mean... He has had the Hulk as a house guest recently, but also he has a book about the Undying Ones that has the location of a valley in the Himalayas that they used to hang out in. Steve figures it's probably the same valley. Stands to reason. I mean, how many valleys can there be in the world? Seven? Eight tops. Strange and Namor pop over to the forest that the Hulk likes to stomp around in and ask him to join them. Hulk's not crazy about seeing Steve again but he likes the idea of potentially smashing some extra-dimensional douchebags, so Doc Strange throws his cloak of levitation on the Hulk, hops on the Jade Giant's shoulders, and the three of them zoom off to Nepal. Hooray! Or not so hooray. Because when they arrive at the small Himalayan village, it's... not so great. When the villagers see the three defenders descend from the sky, they start fleeing, which is perfectly reasonable. What is less reasonable is that Hulk grabs one of the villagers and threatens him using a racial slur. Yeah. Not cool Hulk. And not cool Steve Englehart. When it becomes apparent that the villagers have been warned by people they refer to as the Masters not to help the defenders, Strange casts a spell of forgetfulness on the village and disguises himself and his companions as ordinary explorers. He then hires a group of native guides to lead them to the valley they seek. Man. Maybe you could cast a spell of forgetfulness on me so that I don't remember that the Hulk is a racist. They make good progress during the day, but when they camp at night, some weird shit goes down. They fall immediately into a deep sleep, but when they awaken, all of their guides are missing. And there are some huge footprints in the snow. Hmm. They follow the footprints and find they are leading them towards the valley they were seeking. Which is cool and all, but then they find the bloody corpse of one of their missing guides. Shitty. What's also shitty is that none of them seem to be particularly upset by that, other than noticing that he seems to be pointing them towards the valley. Huh. Well, I guess as long as he's still able to guide them, that's the important thing. I hope his dedication to performing his duties is reflected in Strange's Yelp review of the village guide services. Employees tend to flee upon visitors' arrival, and respond poorly to racial slurs, but are fortunately susceptible to hypnosis, and do not let being murdered keep them from fulfilling their responsibilities. Tough to find parking. Three and a half stars. Our hero's callous indifference to the death of one of their freelance employees is interrupted by the arrival of a group of giant weird-looking yetis who speak in a bunch of weird squiggles. Hulk figures that they probably killed the guides, or else he's just upset that they aren't speaking English. It's tough to tell with the Hulk this issue. And he starts smashing the shit out of them. Then Silver Surfer shows up and says, Hey, quit punching those yetis. They're rad and pacifists. Namor is like, fuck you, and starts punching the surfer. Eventually, Doctor Strange is like, Everybody, stop punching everybody. Let's have some exposition around here. Let's hear from both of you what happened. Namor, you go first. Namor says, Fine, a couple months ago, I was building a house on the South Pole, like you do, when magic made me pass out. When I woke up, I was on a hill with this reflective asswipe and Necrodamus. Necrodamus told him to fly me up real high and then throw me to New Jersey, so he did. In summation, fuck you, you shiny fuck. Silver Surfer is all like, Nuh-uh. Until I happy slammed you into those icebergs yesterday, I hadn't left this valley in months. See, I was all bored and sad and shit, and I've never heard of the Prime Directive, so I decided to make like a pre-Boaz anthropologist and condescendingly meddle with what I decided was a primitive culture. I found these peaceful yetis and decided to introduce them to some elements of what I consider civilization while withholding others, arbitrarily imposing my own morality onto them while making no attempts to understand their culture. So, as you can see, I've done nothing wrong. Strange is like, Okay, yeah, but we're pretty sure they killed our guides last night. Surfer says, no way. But the Yetis interrupt him and go, yes way. What? Yeah. So it turns out the Yetis are really a bunch of evil wizard warriors in disguise who have been fucking with the Silver Surfer this whole time. 
Not only did they totally kill the guides last night, but they also brainwashed the surfer and loaned him out to Necrodamus for a bit. They're led by a master magician named Kalazuma, who seems like a real asshole and has a vague devil motif. Dang. Total M. Night Shyamalan ending. By which I mean it's poorly written and doesn't make any sense. The Silver Surfer teams up with Strange, Namor, and the Hulk. They manage to defeat Kalazuma by employing the brilliant strategy of all hitting him at the same time really hard. Hooray. Then Steve casts a spell that makes all the bad guys forget that they're bad guys and want to be good guys. Hooray. Silver Surfer is back to his old self again and starts whining about how much the Earth sucks and he wishes he could go back to his home planet of Zen La. See, that's the miserable Surfer I know and love. Strange tells him to cheer up. He might have a plan that can get him back to Zen La after all. He does? Hooray! A potential happy ending for everyone. Except for, you know, all those dead villagers that nobody seems to care about. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right, by and large. Good. Yeah. Having a nice uh, hot toddy. Delicious. Thank you. Yeah, I made it with, uh, we ran out of honey and out of lemon juice, so I made it with maple syrup and uh, squeeze of tangerine juice and some cinnamon. Really nice. Highly recommend. So, what'd you think? Um, pretty good. Yeah, you're more generous than me. I thought this was our first Defenders one that was not pretty good. Yeah, by pretty good, I mean not as good as the other ones that we read before. Well, it's confusing because pretty good is also your highest form of praise. It's very general, though. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can really go either direction. Yeah, if you say pretty good like you're pleasantly surprised, that's like so great. Like, pretty good. That's true. Yeah. It's like the New England uh, not bad not bad. Yeah, which can mean fucking awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, and generally does. Yeah. So, this... Uh, I don't know. It's veering away from kind of awesome. There's some really fun parts in it. It was a quick read, certainly. Mm-hmm. Yep. But there wasn't that much to it. The storytelling wasn't great. Like, I'll, I'll cut Engelhardt some slack on the storytelling because he's one of my favorite writers from this era. And at this point, I think he'd been writing comics for less than a year. Like, he started off as an illustrator. But the last issue was so good. I know. And it led me like to be like, okay, this is going to be really fun. There's still a lot of fun stuff. Kind of racist. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's the one really overt part where Hulk grabs a... I believe they're in Nepal. They're in the Himalayas, so it's either Nepal or Tibet, probably. But, yeah, grabs a Himalayan and calls him yellow skin and threatens him. Mm-hmm. That's not great. Nope. That's also, it's not justifiable to the Hulk's character either. Like, it definitely speaks more to Engelhart's innate prejudices than it does to the Hulk's. Because I feel like as the Hulk, he's supposed to be a kind of mindless brute, definitely a literalist. Asian people don't have yellow skin. That's a social construct. Mm-hmm. Like... Unless the dude that he happened to grab had jaundice. Like, <laughs> that's not the type of shit that the Hulk, as a character, that, that is in character for him to say. As I said, I really like Engelhart, but this is kind of a recurring problem that I have with his stuff. He wrote some of my favorite Captain America stuff, but he also decided that the 1970s is a perfectly reasonable time to reintroduce the old super racist character, the Yellow Claw, into comic books. Just... There's a weird tone in the 70s where, yeah, the comics in general are, like, there's definitely a lot of background racism, just given that, as people say, it was a different time, which I always complete that as, when everyone was shitty. Mm -hmm. But most of the depictions of race, while they are problematic, you can tell that they come from where the author thought was a good place, or at least they were thinking about it, or they were trying something, and that doesn't always, like, mitigate some really bad treatments, but there seems to be a blind spot within the comics industry, especially in terms of depictions of Asians. One of my favorite Avengers stories is the one that introduces the character Bill Foster, who later became Black Goliath, and that's when the Avengers fight the Sons of the Serpent, who are basically stand-ins for the clan. And so it's like, okay, yeah, they're out there and they're fighting racism, and yeah, the introduction of Bill Foster doesn't go great. He's kind of robbed of some agency and treated as a MacGuffin. 
but he's supposed to be at least. You can see where they're going for with it and where they slip up and where it becomes a problem. But then even that storyline, at the very end, it turns out that the Sons of the Serpent were being manipulated by the evil old Chinese. Mm. Those lousy Chinese trying to make everybody racist. And that's something that I, I feel like there there's this attitude within Kung that it's like, well, you know, we got to be racist against somebody. Can, can we still be racist against Asians? And everybody just seemed to agree that's like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, we'll try with everybody else. We'll still fuck it up and get it horribly wrong, but at least we'll be trying. But we, we, we still get to be racist against Asians, right? Mm. And then everybody just seemed to be like, yeah, yeah, no, not that, that one's cool. And eh, not so cool. There's that, as I said. The obvious thing right off the bat. But there's also... This comic book has a fairly high death toll. Like, all of the villagers that helped guide the defenders to Dr. Kalamazoo, or Kalazuma. I keep wanting to call him Dr. I guess he's not necessarily a doctor. He's just Kalazuma. He's probably got at least a doc, an honorary doctor. An honorary one. It came with his hat. Yeah, that's a good hat. Or a cowl. It's a sweet jacket, too. We'll get to that stuff later. But it is really just dismissed that, yeah, oh, yeah, no, they murdered these, like, 20 or 30 people that were helping us get here. Oh, well, let's keep going. They're just some mountain people. Yeah, not important. Uh, and j- just the way they're generally dismissed by all of the Defenders and by the comic book itself as that's not really an important point. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Silver Surfer. He's kicking up some, like, I don't know which awful thing to call it. Like, like it's part white man's burden, like Rudyard Kipling style shit. Mm. It's part, like, pre-Boaz shitty anthropologist shit. Um, Heart of Darkness. Yeah, definitely got some of that going on. Mostly I just want to be like, well, somebody please teach this dude the Prime Directive. (laughs) And, yeah, really just the whole idea that he finds somebody who, by his standards, are not civilized uh, and just super condescendingly teaches teaches them to be civilized, but in, like, a very specific way to him. And also, like, if you're going to give people the Promethean gift of fire, maybe you can let them do it in a way that they can replicate later, like Flint. Yeah, no, but then they might have turned warlike, so no. Okay, so I'm just going to shoot it out of my hand so you guys can be like... Right, right, just like, (laughs) check this out. Check this out. What a dick. Yeah, so, I don't know, like, you have a degree in anthropology. That's some shitty anthropology, right? Because he likens himself to the Peace Corps. Was the Peace Corps that condescending? Like, because that seems more like shitty, bad conquistador missionaries type (sighs) shit. It's not, that's not really an area of my expertise, but yeah, I I do recall some people saying, especially at the organization's kind of inception, like this idea of like, we know it's the best way to do this stuff and we're going to come in and tell you what's the best way to do this stuff, whether you guys really have a great interest in that or not. Yeah, because from his perspective, we find out otherwise later in frankly some pretty lazy storytelling and writing that the ape men... I'm not sure if these yetis never existed. I don't think they ever existed. I think... I wasn't sure if, like, Kawazuma and his buddy showed up and killed them all, or if they just never existed and they showed up. They're just like, you know what the Silver Surfer wants? He wants to be (laughs) the the great... uh, He wants to be the great silver savior? (laughs) Of of the the eight people. Right. Silver man's burden. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What a... At least we're getting back to needlessly complicated plot points. Which they really are. So, what did you think? Do you have any questions about Dr. Kalazuma? Or just Kalazuma, I guess. Yeah, just all the questions. Like, what's his... Why is he in the Himalayas? Why does he hate all these guys so much? Why does he have minions? What's up with his little devil hat? Okay, well, he has a pretty interesting backstory. When would you guess that he made his debut? Hmm... He looks like his face is drawn super old-timey, mm-hmm. like. So based on that, I'd say, I don't know, 50s, 40s? Yeah, it's in this issue. Oh, really? Yeah, he had never showed up before. They treat him like he is a known entity. Uh-huh. Doctor Strange, I think, recognizes him. He has exactly two appearances in the Marvel Universe, one in this and one in 1989 in a Submariner comic. Well, that's some weird shit. 
It is. And it's so they introduce this character who's like an incredibly powerful wizard who dresses like the devil wearing a pretty fly tracksuit. Mm-hmm. Got some nice shoulder pads on it. Looks kind of like the dude on the, the, like the cheap deviled ham in the grocery store that comes in the can. Yeah, it's like he's that dude, but then he put on a new god's tracksuit from fly like out, the 70s. But, yeah. Like over that. Yeah, like I said, it's like a tracksuit top, but with like yellow shoulder pads on it. It is a really dope look. But yeah, it he's really given the air of just like, no, not Kalazuma. We all know this guy. This guy sucks. No. He had no backstory previous to this and no future stories going further. It's a one-off. So yeah, that's what I'm talking about with like lazy writing where it's like, oh, we'll introduce this character and he's super crazy powerful. He can fight all of them, but then if they team up, then they punch him and then he's gone. It's Haney-esque, but it's not satisfying in the way that a Haney story is. It's just a really shitty villain, though, because he put all this energy into fooling the Silver Surfer into right. being the great Silver Savior, right. just so he could like slowly brainwash him to do his bidding. Yeah, like that's a shitload of effort to put. It's into a shitload of effort things. for no. We don't know what his end goal is, and then like, did he have previous ties to Necrodamus? Where he was like, or did he just like, well, now I've got kind of control of the Silver Seraphim. I'll loan him out to whatever evildoer comes to me and... That's right, he's probably just done. waiting to put an ad in the circular. The Underworld Star. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he was in cahoots with a Necrotomus. Yeah, it's explicitly said that he is, because he's the reason that Silver Surfer... Like, it was his mind control that made the Silver Surfer go out and get Namor... Right. And then dump him, and that was allegedly on Necrotomus's behalf, and maybe the Undying Ones. It doesn't make a ton of sense, yeah. And he went through so much work. Overall, not impressed. No. With this guy's criminal acumen. No. I am impressed with, so when they do finally team up, as I said, overall, it's not a good comic. And I hate saying that because I love this series. We fucked up Silverman's burden shit going on. Some (laughs) (laughs) fucked up racism going on. But there are some really fun parts. (laughs) Uh, One of which is after the four defenders and, hey, Silver Surfer seems like he's a defender now. That's dope. I mean, overall. He's not on the... He's not on the cover yet, but he does, like, the next one is called Four Against the Gods, and they're traveling as a posse now. Okay. When all four of them zap and punch Kalazuma, he does this thing that it reminds me of, like, old Ric Flair wrestling matches, where he he just gets the shit beat out of him, and then kind of staggers out of the corner and goes, I'm okay, and then absolutely face plants. Mm -hmm. And it's comical, and it's pretty satisfying. That was one of my favorite parts of this. Yeah. We also learn Namor is possibly a Southpaw. Yeah, well, I think he was just like, okay, who can have the right? They could both use their right hands. I The, the panel you're talking about is... Uh, team Punch. Yeah, Team Punch. Mm-hmm. Where Hulk is punching him and Namor is punching him as simultaneously Silver Surfer is blasting him with his cosmic power mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange is is blasting him with a mystic blast. Uh, yeah, in that panel, it describes... Be a good name for ice tea. Well, Mystic Blast. Oh, yeah, that's true. The following instant, the power cosmic of the Silver Surfer blasts him. The slab-like right fist of the Hulk clubs him. The steel-sinewed left fist of the Submariner pounds him. The most potent spell of Doctor Strange smites him. Mm. But yeah... It is interesting. It makes for a more symmetric view that Namor is using his left hand to this. Namor may be left-handed, but it lo- it does look cool. It does look cool. I don't know. I just, maybe I'm being too, like, real-world about it, but no, it, it no. does seem like people Let's, generally score is, the knockout with their dominant hand. One would think. I, it, it's also possible that at some point earlier in the fight when he was fighting Silver Surfer, maybe he injured his right hand mm. against his chrome exterior. Yeah. So Hulk references when they first show up looking for him, and he's like, who's looking for Hulk? Oh, it's you guys. Fuck off, guys. <laughs> I'm sad that his relationship with Namor has soured. 
to the extent that it has now because I liked it when they were friends yeah. and they're both just like, yeah, but fuck this guy yeah. <laughs> about Doctor Strange. But I do like that that's Hulk's reaction. After he's like, uh, Hulk already lost Jarella. You know who Jarella is? I do not. Okay, I had to look this one up. Apparently she is the Hulk's subatomic ex-girlfriend. Subatomic? Yeah, he got shrunk down real tiny and went to this whole different universe where there are uh, elephant-sized jerks who are threatening his Jarella, who I guess is probably a princess. Seems like it's usually a princess. Mm. And they fell in love, and he had Banner's brain in Hulk's body at that point. But also their relationship continued, whether he was the Hulk or Banner or whatever. She was just, like, super into Bruce Banner slash the Hulk. Uh, but then he got big and no more. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a bummer. Yeah. She had green skin, too. Oh. Yeah. Shit. Which, apparently, skin color, very important to the Hulk. I was disappointed to learn that. Yeah, me too. I don't think that's canonical. I'm, I'm really... As I said, I really do like Steve Englehart. I've read some of his non-comic book novels and actually really enjoyed those too. The Point Man, The Arena Man. Oh, really? Didn't yeah. realize he was a novelist as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's not bad. It's it's fun stuff. It's um about a radio DJ who becomes a sex magician. A uh, sex and magician? Yeah, you know, like he uses sex magic, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> you should check those books out. <laughs> How recently did you read these? Uh, last year. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'll loan them to you. Okay. This is good stuff. Yep. That notwithstanding. Yeah. Poor form. In addition to just having, as we said, Silver Man's Burden issues, Silver Surfer also appears to be suffering from some kind of a mental disorder. Like, I don't know if he is... I guess maybe it is the result of the mind control, but I'm so used to seeing him being brooding and morose, and he is in this for the most part, but then also he just becomes wildly exuberant. It really seems like he's suffering from some kind of a bipolar disorder, which I don't mean to make light of it, but that is the way his behavior is. He's absolutely manic when he first shows up and is just like, hey, my good buddy Namor, I love you, buddy. And he just like sweeps him up and is like, I'm so happy because I found some people on your planet that don't suck ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like most of you guys do. You know how much most of you guys suck and I hate you all? I found some people that are worthwhile on your planet. Yay. Mm -hmm. And just like, and Namor's like, what, what the fuck? Last time I saw you, you attacked me. Even without that background information that the last time they saw each other, he attacked him. That is some crazy behavior. I would be seriously worried about the dude. I might not punch him as much as Namor did, but I'd be like, what, are, you, are you off of your medication right now? Like, are, are you okay? What's going on? Lots of blow. Yeah, that, that is another possibility. That entrance, like he smashes through an iceberg, skips across the water a bunch of times, <laughs> tackles his buddies. Like, yeah, let's go. Okay, is smashing through icebergs uh, typical cocaine behavior? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, That's man. one of the reasons it was such a problem in the ah. 80s. Let's say, well, I'm going to have to relook at this again. Uh, does, does, <laughs> does Silver Surfer have a lot of interesting stories about himself he wants to tell right at the beginning? He kind of does. Well, he's, yeah, he's like, he, I'm he, he's save like, your fucking planet. Let me tell you about how great these people are that I found. They're awesome. I'm awesome because I'm helping them so much. Yeah. You didn't hear me? I better say it louder again. <laughs> I'm so smart and handsome. <laughs> I'm so smart and handsome. I found this big pile of handsome powder and I'm just rolling around in it. Wee. Okay, that actually makes a lot of sense. I think the Silver Surfer has a cocaine problem. Mm-hmm. And Namor's like personality is not the kind to suffer that lightly. Either. No, he treats the Surfer to a very direct intervention. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is awesome when he smashes him down into the water. Oh man, the the whole the whole opening fight scene. This seems like a very rushed comic in a lot of ways, and part of as I said, the storytelling doesn't hold together or make a ton of sense. But also for a comic that came out this early. There's way fewer panels per page than we're used to seeing at this point, and a couple of like full page, like splash pages. Yep. Which generally to me seems like, okay, more spent time was spent drawing this than writing it. Uh, but also, Sal Buscema does a gorgeous job with it. The art is very good in this issue. 
And I think it's actually kind of to his credit. I'm wondering to what extent when Doctor Strange and the Hulk and Namor get turned into quote normal end quote looking people and taken through the mountains that could have been handled a lot worse because i'm pretty sure they're supposed to look asian oh um and it is vague enough that it is unclear whether that is the case and i'm really glad for that yeah um (laughs) yeah because that could have gone a lot worse but i I, yeah I, i will also say like that first splash page and the whole fight scene between the Silver Surfer and Namor yeah. is gorgeous and really fun and a really good fight scene. Agreed. There's a scene there. There's a couple of scenes that really cracked me up. Were there any scenes that stuck out to you as being particularly funny? Yeah, there was like just the usual like whole thing. The one that you mentioned already when he's like, Oh, a stranger is bothering me when I want to be left. Oh, it's you. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. And uh, there's a, the other one, too, where Namor pops his head out of the water after the Silver Surfer takes off. And he's like, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> but he looks all really kind of derped out and yeah. like, goofy. Those are really good. There there were a couple of things that really cracked me up. The Hulk lamenting the fact that he is now wearing mittens. <laughs> <laughs> For a stupid cape and now, now mittens. mittens. Yeah. <laughs> I love it whenever Hulk puts on the cloak of levitation and has to fly around. That It really... He just looks silly in it, and it's fun. But yeah, when he looks down at his hands and they have mittens on, oh, that's a delight. It's so disappointing. Yeah, it's, it's a nice callback to Rom for me, mm. where it's just like, I wonder if that was, <laughs> at any point, if that was maybe why, this issue is why they chose Selbusema to draw Rom later on, is because like, well, the man knows how to draw mittens. And he knows how to draw people looking at their hands and seeing that they're mittens, which is something that came up in Rom a lot. Yep. Yeah, so I liked that a lot. There is also, after Namor and the Silver Surfer have their initial confrontation, when they go back to Doctor Strange's place to study stuff, there is a line of dialogue that really cracks me up. I'm just going to read it to you. And now, Namor, let us hasten to a certain room, for I have much to show you. <laughs> oh, it sounds... <laughs> It's a little creepy when you read it like that. I didn't know another way to read it. Oh, like, okay. why wouldn't you just say, like, let's go to my library? Not, now I will take you to a certain room. Because mm. I have a lot to show you. Yeah, I don't know. I just <laughs> thought it was there. <laughs> Doctor Strange's speech is is pretty flowery. and That's that's true. But uh, And, and he, he's got some, some good one-liners in this, too. He's got mm. some good Doctor Strange-isms going on. But yeah, that really cracked me up, and when we get into the dialogue, there is uh, one particular line of Namor's dialogue, which I love. I think it sounds out of character to me. Like, I'm used to seeing Namor be very imperious uh, and very arrogant and sometimes funny, or he can certainly be charming or funny. He's a very noble character, certainly. I'm not used to seeing him be glib and, like, crack one-liners, but he's got one in this that I really liked. Just about the overly complicated scheme, Kalazuma apparently made these guys, like, these characters up that he and his mage buddies were portraying. He made them up a whole imaginary language. Mm-hmm. That is some needlessly complicated shit. Yeah. Like. He went full Tolkien. Yeah. Yeah, he, he created fucking Elvish for these dudes. Mm-hmm. That is impressive. Also, he calls... His underlings, his, like, mage warriors, they just look like regular, like, dudes in windbreakers from, like, a Batman episode. <laughs> All they ever do is try to grab and, like, punch people. They're very muscular, too, for magic-type Yeah, guys. Really buff magic guys. I guess one of them does, like, do a magic blast in the Hulk's face at one point. Right but, in the face. Yeah, but mostly they really just seem to be, like, Head- grappling headlocks. and stuff. And, yeah, don't seem like mages to me. Yeah, strike number, whatever we're up to for Kalazuma. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Stupid old Kalamazoo. Mm. If we have any listeners in Kalamazoo, I'm not trying to cast aspersions or, on you or your fine city. Or that Glenn Miller song, which I really like a lot. It's just, Kalazuma sounds a lot like Kalamazoo. On that, uh, was there anything more about the issue you wanted to bring up before we get to the minutia? Let's see. Uh, needlessly complicated. Sure. Racism. Y- yetis. Cocaine. Nope, yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. You want to sing us into the minutia? Oh, shit. I'm gonna... Now you know what I go through with the synopsis thing every oh, week. It's tough. 
Ma 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 Manusha! So, let's start with sound effects. <laughs> what was your favorite? Uh, my favorite was a sound effect, which was a punch, but it sounded like a really wet punch. Uh-huh. I know the one you're talking about. And that noise is blunch. <laughs> blunch, indeed. There are so many sound effects in this. There's only one that gets repeated. I actually wrote down all the sound effects that were in this issue. I'm just going to read them all. But yeah, the first one we have is blunch. <laughs> that is followed by sploosh, which surprisingly is not a punch. That is actually yeah, them falling into water. the water. Yep. That is followed by a punch that makes the following noise. Slunk! <laughs> then thud. Then a cosmic blast, which makes the noise fuzz. Ooh. Then good. wump. Then wham. Then another mystic blast, which goes zash. Woo. Then the ever-popular croom. Yeah, I saw there was another croom. Followed by the only one which is repeated, which is thud. Mm. There's a lot to choose from. I think Bloonch is a solid choice. Thank you. Just for the sake of variety, I'm going to go with Slunk, <laughs> which is such a crazy noise for a punch to make. I think a Slunk would hurt worse than a Bloonch. Than a Bloonch. I don't know, man. Because I see like Bloonch as being one like, like maybe if you punched a fat dude in the tummy, <laughs> and it'd just be like Bloonch, and then he'd be like, Whoa. like it would make him throw up on you. Oh. It was like, bloonch. And you would see, like, the ripples. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, slunk. I can't imagine a scenario. As I said, I can see a bloonch. Mm -hmm. That takes some doing. I don't know what the hell kind of punch would make a slunk. Just, like, the fist, like, really finding. Slunk. Yeah, like, finding a home and, like, dislocating a jaw. Yeah, but it's and also like, kind of a wet sound. Yeah, and, like, your hands, like... You almost punch through the guy's face. Oh, one of the when, like when I almost punch through the guy's face because I punch him so hard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, now I now I remember it's what tough sound. what that's like. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going with slunk. Fair enough. Sartorially speaking, we already touched on this a little bit. There's really only one choice. Yeah, we got Doctor Kalazuma. I don't know if he's a. Yeah, Maybe I keep a... calling him Doctor. I think you're giving him more credit than he deserves, my friend. <laughs> I gotta believe he, he at least has an honorary doctorate from somewhere. If Bill Cosby's got one, he's got one. <laughs> Actually, what's messed up is Dr. Dr. Bill Cosby is, is not honorary. It's a uh, allegedly legit doctorate. And it's in the same thing that uh, mom's doctorate is in. Teacher but education? She, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's an education. Huh. But his was like, like his thesis was like script or script doctoring a couple episodes of the Electric Company or something. It was like so much less work, and it's the fact that it's not an doctor honorary doctorate, and that he likes to be called doctor despite not really earning his doctorate. I gotta believe that is the worst thing Bill Cosby has ever done. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What, have you heard anything bad about him recently? Oh, he's um, so disappointed. Yeah, uh, Dr. <laughs> Kalazuma probably has a doctorate in education. <laughs> probably. Um, what, is it something in his outfit that makes you think? I, I think I'm mixing him up with, there's a, a, a different comic book villain called Dr. Demonicus that he looks a lot like. Mm. Dr. Demonicus is way better than plain old Kalamazoo. <laughs> Kalazuma. God damn it. Kalazuma. Yeah, Kalazuma. Um, anyway, best outfit. Yeah, it's a great outfit. He, yeah, he's got like the the deviled ham outfit on and then he put like <laughs> a nice jacket on over it. And it's a good look. Yep. Goofy fucking hat, but. Yeah. What can you do? I mean, I guess you could not wear that Just, hat. Yeah. Yeah. The, he, he's got a devil motif that never pays off. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept expecting him to, like, like I mean, he's got, like, a forked beard and devil horns. And there's nothing particular. I mean, he's a dick. Mm -hmm. There's nothing particularly demonic about him or devilish. Nope. But, yes, as we said, it's a good look. I also, whenever the Silver Surfer and Namor are next to each other, I am struck by the fact that they have pretty much the same outfit on. Mm-hmm. Which is a pair of underpants. Mm-hmm. 
And that that's kind of the Hulk's outfit, too. He's got, like, longer purple jorts. Really just makes Doctor Strange stick out so much more. Maybe makes the rest of the Defenders seem like they might be Doctor Strange's backup dancers. <laughs> I'm sure Doctor Strange would love to think of it. I, I bet he does think of it that way. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, attack my backup dancers. Hit it, boys. <laughs> I bet he says that all the time, and they just, like, look withering looks at him. <laughs> all right. What else have we got? We got best best dialogue? Sure. What do you got? Oh, we talked about this already. I have first stupid cloak, now mittens. First Hulk has dumb cape, now he has mittens. And I actually, that was that was my runner-up. My notes are a little out of order. The main one that I have is from uh, Namor. Is it when he wishes the Silver Surfer a holiday <laughs> greeting? <laughs> it's no. Okay. It's uh, good. It, it goes on kind of long, but no, actually, it's the Silver Surfer talking to Namor. Okay. And he says, I offered you a hand of friendship and you returned a fist. Which I thought was... That's, that, that is nice. Kind of nice ring. My favorite is... I'll, lead the int- I'll read the intro line to it as well. The Silver Surfer says... So Hulk basically is like, these yetis aren't yetis. Fuck these guys. And just starts swinging fists. Mm-hmm. Silver Surfer's all pissed. Shows up and says, you fool! You mindless fool! These creatures are harmless. They're my friends, my children. Namor tackles the surfer off of his surfboard and says, Well, happy Father's Day, surfer. Yeah, that was It delighted funny. me. Yeah, that cracked me up as well. Just And that is where the wham sound effect comes from. Yeah, I really liked that. There is also a, a point at which... Because those yetis were totally fucking harmful. Oh, yeah. Super harmful. They apparently killed all of the villagers, mm-hmm. which is again just like, eh, they're fine. Mm-hmm. There is a really fun panel where they're flying, and the Hulk is wearing Doctor Strange's cape, and Doctor Strange is not just getting a piggyback ride from the Hulk, but he's getting like riding on his shoulders as the Hulk flies through the air. Yeah, I felt bad for Hulk. Like Hulk's <laughs> not gonna like that. I think it must have been so hard for Doctor Strange to not say wee. While they were doing that. Hit it, boys. <laughs> when you say it like that, it makes me think that Doctor Strange sounds like Paul Lynn. Which is, um, he basically played the uncle on every sitcom in the 70s. He was a center square on Hollywood Squares for a long time. Okay. Uh, he's delightful. I'll, we'll, we'll watch some Paul Lynn later. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, that was my favorite dialogue. There's a, at one point, I, I believe it is Doctor Strange, although it could very easily be Namor. One of them says, let no one god, man or god stand in our way. Mm. And uh, like, that's dramatic sounding and I like it. But I love the, well, happy Father's Day, surfer. Wham! Wham. Yep, pretty good. That, that was my favorite word zing in this issue. Favorite panel. Kind of cheated a little bit on this, but it's actually the opening spread on pages two to three that I yeah. titled Mind Blown. Yeah. With a little note on the iceberg. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree completely. That is actually mine as well. There are some really nice panels in it. Throughout, the artwork is gorgeous. Um, I think this is some of my favorite Sal Buscema stuff that I've seen. But yeah. Looks- the Silver Surfer picking up Namor, skipping him through the air and busting through a bunch of icebergs. And Namor exclaiming, by Neptune's trident. And yeah, as you said, the little panel in the corner on one of the iceberg s- says, you think you're mind blown now? Frantic one. This is only page three. Come see what lies beyond with. And then it lists the credits. And I gotta say, with such an awesome beginning, I was super bummed out that the yeah. rest of it kind of sucked. Yeah. I, I kind of was too. We, we got a nice bloonch. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is good. all downhill after the fight scene with Namor and Silver Surfer, mm-hmm. which is a shame, but at least we have that and the Hulk wearing mittens. We'll always have the Hulk and mittens. Yeah. I, I As I said, I agree. That was my favorite panel. So that brings us to best defender, worst offender. Who was the worst offender this issue? Uh, you're not going to like this, but I'm gonna. I went with Namor. Really? Yeah. So, really? Overall, he does pretty good, but 
don't know. I just felt like he was a little Okay, too... he doesn't call anybody any racial slurs. So that's one big point in his favor. Oh shit, Hulk did that. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, fuck. I think I gotta switch it around. Wait, yeah. wait, wait I want to hear your reasoning on why Namor had been your initial choice. <laughs> my, Namor was my initial choice because I felt like he was just very punch, punchy throughout the sure. entire issue, which is pretty much true to it's his character. character for him. But like, he he was not super listening. Yeah, and that, that was yeah. I was like, come on, give Silver Surfer a chance. He's being like, he clearly doesn't remember that the Silver he, Surfer's a goddamn coked up mess. He, yeah, I wrote that down before I came up with the whole, <laughs> the whole cocaine theory. But yeah, I don't know. It just seemed like he was he was just pissed off the whole issue and sure. like kind of just being a grouch. And I was like, okay, that's uncalled for. But you know, he did help bring down Kalamazo Kalazuma Kalazuma at the Joan Kalamazo. That's from a Parks and Rec, the talk show lady. Oh, maybe that's maybe they're related. Mm. Yeah, hmm, weird. So, yeah, in retrospect, maybe I'm going to switch that up. Strange seemed kind of middle of the road, so I didn't really... I guess, actually, he figured out kind of the whole thing of what yeah. was going on. I was just so... I just really liked the Hulk being mad at Mittens. Yeah, that that is redeeming. That, I, I guess, forgot that he was... I guess your hatred of Mittens outweighs your hatred of racism. That's uh, interesting. I did, I did forget that he <laughs> he was the one that made that unfortunate... Comment. My choice for worst offender is the Silver Surfer. Are we allowed to use the Silver Surfer? I, he's a member of the Defenders. I'm pretty sure at this point it's a it's a loose collective of heroes. So basically, if there's a hero in the issue, I think that he is a Defender. Oh, he did a bad job. Oh, he was the worst. He did a really yeah. He's just like falling out. Yeah, of the he's sky a coked and... up mess. He fucking <laughs> institutes fucking Silverman's burden and uh, decides that he needs to civilize got... this group of Yetis who were doing okay. Granted, turns out they were actually evil magicians pretending to be yetis. pretending to be Yetis. But from his perspective, he shows up. They're doing fine. He's like, you know what? They'd be happier, though, if they had fire. Ooh, and civilization. Oh, but no war, so I'll take some of my knowledge back. Yeah. Fuck you, Silver Surfer. And I'm a big Silver Surfer fan, but fuck you, Silver Surfer. He did not acquit himself very well, this issue. No. Although, he, when he does swoop up Namor, like, for the first few pages, I was like, oh, this guy's rad. He's like, he's just childlike in his joy. But he, he is by far, in my opinion, the worst offender. Conversely, best defender? I would say you're going to choose a... I'm asking who you're choosing for best defender. Best defender. I had Hulk before I forgot that <laughs> he got all super racist in this issue. Yeah, but he does hate mittens. And he punches pretty good. Yeah, uh, but no, I'm going to retract that. And But since I was mad at Namor for being so punchy, I'm going to go with, with Strange for basically figuring shit out and, and being instrumental in the destruction of uh, Kal- Kalamazoo. <laughs> Kalama- Kalazuma Kalazuma You got um, me doing it now how, how do you not do that? Well Maybe that's why he only made two appearances Yep Uh oh Sorry Nice No you're not If you were sorry you would eat that fart Oh Corey It's not It's not good See For those of you listening at home Let's stop that <laughs> For those of you listening at home, Corey just farted. It smells bad. I am of the opinion that when someone farts, regardless of what society tells you, the actual polite thing to do, the best, most courteous way to handle that situation is to inhale as much of it as quickly as you can and really try to eat that fart. Because to you, it's not going to be as bad as it is to anybody else because you made it and it's your responsibility. And then it's out of the system. You're filtering it through your own body again. And as I said, it's your responsibility. Now, it does look silly. It looks like you're trying to be like Cookie Monster, but only eating air. And people be like, oh, that's gross. But you know what? It is the polite thing to do. (laughs) So, if you pass gas, you eat that fart. (sighs) This is a public service announcement. Yep. Yeah, I had Doctor Strange, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for, for the reasons that you said, but also... He casts two super powerful spells pretty offhandedly. One in which he makes all of the villagers that 
are ultimately doomed to die and for no one to care about that fact. But he makes them all forget immediately what had happened when they dealt with Namor, the sub, uh, with Namor, Doctor Strange, and Hulk when they first arrived. Mm-hmm. Made them forget that they had been superheroes previously and just now accept them and go along with them. And they forget that and everything's totally normal. And then at the end, he casts what he calls a spell of atonement on all of Kalamazoo's bad friends. Mm-hmm. And I think on Kalazuma himself. Mm-hmm. Which makes them not only forget this whole battle, but makes them be good boys now. And just not want to remember. Yeah, they don't want to remember anything about evil. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's That's, a crazy powerful spell. I mean, it's kind of fucked up. Like, that's... Who who are you to meddle with men's minds? But it's also pretty powerful. And also, fuck Kalamazu and his buddies. They're dicks. Kalamazu... Isn't that what it is? I like that. Oh, it's Kalamazoo. Well, you put the accent on Kalamazoo. (laughs) Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo. Yeah. It's nice. Um, Got a little little acute accent mark over the... It was pretty acute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for joining us. We will be back next week with issue number five of the new Teen Titans. Uh, I believe in that one we'll maybe get to see that creepy little turd monster that Trigon's going to send to destroy us all. Oh, goody. Yeah, hope so. Mm. And then we will be back in two weeks with the Defenders number three, which, if memory serves, is a much better issue. The Defenders are going to help Silver Surfer try to figure out a way to get off of the Earth and back to his home planet of Zen La. And it's called Four Against the Gods. Which sounds really cool. So I'm excited about that. Put this turn of an issue behind us. But remember the good times. Yeah, if you would like to get in contact with us, you can do so at ttwasteland.gmail.com. You can download this podcast at... uh, From the internet. From the internet. (laughs) Why don't you look around there? Have a good time. But be careful. Mm, You can get a virus. Yeah, man. Um, Uh, yeah, you can find us on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are available. If you would like to leave us a review or subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already, well, I think that'd be a great idea. If you would like to donate to us, you can do that at patreon.com slash ttwasteland. And we're on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. And yeah, we're all up in the internet. It's great. Just fucking swimming around like Angelina Jolie and hackers. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Weird. That's what the internet's like. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fucking Fisher Stevens always showing up with his goddamn skateboard. Fuck that guy. Oh. Guy's no good. Okay. Uh, Do you know who Fisher Stevens is? No. Let's see. He was the bad guy in Hackers. Okay. Uh, He was on that show with the guy from Friday Night Lights and a cat where they get early newspapers that predict the future. He was in Short Circuit in Brownface playing an Indian scientist. Oh. Yeah. Maybe that's why I was thinking of Fisher Stevens. Yeah. 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 Interesting times we live in. Anyway, have a good time out there. Be safe. Hit it, boys. And they know it. Probably better to force a burp than a fart. But... No, you might poop your mouth. Oh, that's not pleasant. <laughs> that's not pleasant at all. That's why you don't force a burp, Corey. Uh, there we go. Kind of smells like you pooped your mouth a little. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, sorry. Fucking, how is the chorizo still there if that was yesterday? <laughs> I don't know. I ate so much of it. <laughs> It was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, you ready? Yep. Okay.